0: Welcome in to Season 4 of Home Field Advantage. My name is Will Highland and I am your host. It is January 2nd, 2022. I'll be having a great start to your new year, wherever you may be and however you may be listening across our great country or our great land. As I said, my name is Will Highland. This is Home Field Advantage and it is our first episode of both 2022. And season four, I'd like to thank you all for joining in to our program and listening. Um, if you're listening during the week, this is the roughest work week of the year, so I'm recording on a Sunday night, and I have all the Sunday scaries. I haven't been to work in a very long time. So, not great, but here we are. We're talking NFL football today. Uh, there's a lot that we could talk about that happened. Obviously, some huge college games, some blowouts, Um yesterday in the college football world. Excuse me, not yesterday, Friday in the college football world. And uh, we have Georgia and Alabama scoring off in the national championship game a couple Mondays from now. Obviously, Alabama with a big win over Cincinnati and Georgia with a resounding win over Michigan. Uh, We could talk about that, but... Because of time constraints and the fact that I want to get the episode done quick, we will skip college football, we'll skip the Premier League, we'll skip the NHL, we'll skip the NBA, and there's no MLB news. So we'll just talk briefly about what's going on in the NFL playoff picture and some of the big storylines as we close out week 17 and head into week 18. It's still weird to say. Um, We'll talk probably a lot about the playoff pictures, uh, and the scenarios, um, that could arise next week. I don't have all of the, if this happens and this happens, then that happens, um, situations for you right now. Um, simply because it's 6 15 PM on the East coast and a lot of the four o'clock games are still yet to be determined. Uh, we also have the 8 PM games still yet to be determined. Uh, and then, you know, we'll have Monday night and then, And then all of the games next week. So there's still a lot to be sorted out in the playoff picture. But we'll start with the AFC. Big news of the day is that the AFC North goes to Cincinnati. Now, I think that this could be the story of the year in the NFL. And let me tell you why. Usually, when you get this big, hyped-up quarterback like Joe Burrow... You know, this is a guy who had one of the best college football seasons of all time, right? 2019 season, he was, he was unbeatable, right? For the LSU Tigers. And he gets drafted number one overall. He goes to his hometown Bengals. He gets hurt in year one. People are sort of still high on him, right? He's obviously one of the best college football players of all time. Uh, and he comes into year two off an injury. Low expectations, right? And this is usually a time when teams sort of fly under the radar. Um, But I think people are finally starting to wake up to how good the Bengals can be and how good they are. And this is something that I thought at the beginning of the year, not to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to. I thought the Bengals were going to contend for a playoff spot, but I did not think they were going to win. Even I didn't think they were going to win the AFC North you know, if you look at the other teams in that division, it's no surprise that the Bengals were able to fly under the radar for the early part of the season and really swoop in once the Ravens and Browns teetered um, and once the Steelers sort of, you know, shot themselves in the foot. So, you know, you look at Somebody like the Browns and Baker Mayfield. The huge expectations. This is a team that pushed Kansas City in the playoffs last year. They have all kinds of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Nick Chubb. All these receivers. Jarvis Landry. OBJ at the beginning of the year, right? You know, some good young um, players as well, like Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, so this really sexy team offensively. And you have Baker Mayfield, right? Former number one overall pick. Heisman Trophy winner, much like Joe Burrow, and then you see the contrast between those two teams, and you look at Cincinnati, and you say, okay, yep, they've got a young quarterback who's won a Heisman Trophy, and who was a number one overall pick, so he's had success before the NFL. They also have young, talented receivers that, I mean, let's be frank, they're not headaches, right? They didn't bail on the team midway through the year like OBJ did in Cleveland. So you've got a team like Cincinnati with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. That sounds a lot like what the Browns were trying to be. With Nick Chubb, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Peoples-Jones. And then, you know, you have look elsewhere in the division. Okay, the Steelers. You got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and a Hall of Fame quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, also taken in the first round way back when. Somebody's won two Super Bowls. And then the other Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback in the division, (laughs) Lamar Jackson, gets hurt halfway through the year. His team falls apart mentally. They lose two games when they probably could have won those two games um, by going for it, going for the two-point conversion rather than uh, tying... The game with the best kicker in the league. And so I look at the reasons why Cincinnati wins the division. They were just the most consistent team. You know, they had a couple of bad losses. They had that bad loss to Cleveland midway through the year, I think. Um, you know, the, I think they lost to the San Francisco 49ers, who, who we'll talk about in a second. You know, I think they might have even lost to the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, the Bengals didn't have a perfect year. But they did what they needed to do in their division champs. I mean, today, you, you can't ignore today. Today, they won a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs were everybody's pick, mine included, to go to the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes, supposed to be the best quarterback of all time, at the, you know, in, in 10 years or whatever. People are saying he could be. So, I'm not, I mean, not going to take too much out of one regular season game, obviously. But you look at what Cincinnati's doing, and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe they had some weird losses, like they lose to the Jets, you know, they lose to the um, you know, they lose to the Browns in an ugly game early on in October, November, whenever that was. But for them to go out with the division on the line in the reigning conference champs in your building and to win a shootout against Mahomes, that's that's crazy like that is that is a resume booster right you know that is if that's like someone going to harvard versus someone going to arizona state you know like that is that's a resume booster you know i don't think the the chiefs the chiefs don't have that in their resume their resume is made up of a lot of wins against a lot of mediocre teams you know they've lost to the bills they've lost to the titans they've lost to the ravens they've lost to the bengals even the Patriots, the team that I root for, had ugly early season losses against the Dolphins and the Saints, right? So I look, at, I look at whose resume is the best in the AFC. I don't know, after today, I sort of like Cincinnati as being the most dangerous team in the AFC. I mean, you look at even the Titans. They lost to the, uh, I believe they lost to the Texans and the Jets, the two worst teams in the conference, other than the Jags. The Bills, they lose to the Jaguars. So I look around and suddenly the Bengals are the most dangerous team in the AFC. All right, the Ravens lose to the Rams. That's another reason why the Bengals win the AFC North. And so they have punched their ticket to the playoffs behind Joe Burrow. And one more thing on the Bengals before we move on. Bengals and the AFC North, I guess is I look at all these quarterbacks, all the same quarterbacks that I mentioned, that I mentioned last week when we talked about the parity in the league. All of these quarterbacks, especially in that division, this league is ripe with players at that position who can ball. And I look at the AFC, and I see Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, all the names we've talked about, right? Not to leave anybody out in particular, but you, you, get, you get where I'm going here. Even Tua, right? Even Tua, who didn't really have a, you know, <laughs> great game today. But, I mean, a look at the quarterbacks in the AFC in this conference is by far, despite the NFC teams having the better records, I mean, that happens when half the conference is crap. You know, but when you look at the AFC, especially that division, oh boy, we have it. We have it out. We have it out in front of us for the next few years for some more dogfight races and seeding races in late in the season. I think 12 months from now, you know, when we start season five, we'll be talking about the same thing. All right, moving on to a different division in the AFC. The East with my Patriots is still wide open. Technically speaking, because the Bills and the Pats have the same record still, um, the Bills control their own destiny though because they have a better intra divisional record than the New England. I believe they are four and one in the division, and the Patriots are three and two. And if you go way back, you can roll the tape. I said this in November. It was very likely that Buffalo and New England would finish with the same record, but that. New England would lose the division because of that first loss to Miami. I knew they were going to split with each other. I actually thought New England would lose on the road and went home and ended up being the other way around. I knew they were going to split with each other. But because of that week one loss to Miami where they fumbled in the red zone, they lose the game and therefore lose the division if, even if both teams win next week. But despite all that, there is now a possibility that we'll find out for sure. Who cares? Yeah, the Bills win the division because they have a better interdivisional record. All right, cool. They get home field over the Patriots because they win the division. But you know what? None of that matters, really, if the Pats go in there in wildcard weekend and beat the Bills. Because that's what it looks like is going to happen. As of now, the Bills are 10-6, and six, and so are the Bengals, right? The Bengals we just talked about. However, in the conference, the Bengals are 8-3. And the Bills are uh, six and five, so the interconference record between those two teams favors the Bengals. So therefore, the Bills are the four seed. Now, the Patriots are very likely to finish with a better record than the Raiders or the Colts. Right now, they hold the five spot, and I bet they're going to keep the five spot next week because I think the Bills are going to beat the Jets, and I think the Pats are going to beat the Dolphins. I'm no longer as worried about that Dolphins game as I was last week. Now that Miami um, lost today to Tennessee, obviously that helped New England clinch a playoff spot. Um, I, If you recall last week, I was worried that New England could win today and still not make the playoffs because the Raiders and the Dolphins could win. Um, the Raiders won and the Dolphins didn't really play well the, at all. They lost, but... You know, they, you know, they still had a chance to beat Tennessee going into the game. I mean, it's any, any given Sunday in the NFL. So now that that's out of the picture, I'm pretty confident that New England's going to hold the five spot because the Raiders are going to play the Chargers. It's very likely that the Chargers win that game because they're playing for, you know, their lives, right? I have to check real quick to figure out where that game is. Um, it's in Vegas now that I look. So I don't know. Either way, I'm Fairly confident that the Pats are going to end up with that five spot still, uh, when push comes to shove, and so as I just mentioned, that will set up a rematch of this AFC East battle, right? This AFC East battle that has been, you know, sort of looming, uh, for a few months now, and despite the teams beating up on each other in in their respective opponent stadiums, uh, the past month or so, this is still in my opinion, the hottest rivalry in the NFL right now. And maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment. Maybe I have local bias. I'm not sure. But it seems like this rivalry has the most juice in it right now. Like There's a lot of juice in this Bills-Pats rivalry right now. If you go back a month ago, Sean McDermott telling the press that Bill Belgic didn't deserve the amount of credit that he got, right? Then you go back to last week, David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn, you know, chirping the Buffalo defense after some late hits to Mac Jones. So there are elements to this rivalry um, that have been brewing for a while, right? The Bills have, you know, had, you know, a itch to scratch with the Pats for a couple years now, uh, especially as Josh Allen has been on the ascent. So what's likely to happen is the Bills could end up as a four seed. The Pats could end up as a five. And then, you know, in two weeks, we'll be talking about a game in Orchard Park between the Bills and the Patriots would be absolutely bananas. So we have that to look forward to. Um, part of the reason we have that to look forward to is because I'm confident that the Titans are going to hold on to the one because I think they have a favorable matchup next week. I remember I have to you know double check on who that is. Um, they've also beaten the Chiefs head-to-head, so they now control their own destiny for the one seed. Yep, they're going at Houston. Uh, even though they've lost to Houston, uh, I'm pretty confident in Mike Framble's group that they're not going to lose with the number one seed on the line. Um, not that Tennessee is a overly complicated place to play. I like the Pats' chances going to Tennessee, um, you know, if they had to, but if Tennessee's the wild card, um... That's sort of good news. Sorry, if Tennessee's the one seed, uh, that's sort of good news um, for the Patriots in one way, Um, but it could also, if things get dicey, set up a, in let's say the Chiefs by chance lose to the Broncos next week. That could set up a weird situation where New England might have to go to Kansas City. In the, um, in the, First wild card game, which I don't really like, um, the way that would happen would be if Buffalo wins, the Chiefs lose, and New England wins. New England's still the five. Kansas City, I think, would drop to the four at that point because uh, they will have lost to everybody else that have them. Uh, and then New England would go on the road to Kansas City in the wild card game, which I don't love. So I would prefer uh, if Kansas City stayed at the two, uh, if they win next week at Denver, um and I'm um, you know now I'm pretty confident you know that that 1 through 4 that exists right now is going to stay that way. Um I think we're going to see the really the only thing left up for grabs is the 6 and 7 spot in the AFC. Um and I think that the 1 through 5s despite all the changes that could happen next week. I'm pretty confident that it will stay that way. And if you remember I did say that Tennessee had the best chance of being the one seed because Kansas City had a hard schedule. That remained true after Cincinnati beat them today. I know I've been jumping all over the place, but I'm going to end it with this. Chargers-Raiders next week, I think that's going to end up being for a playoff spot. Uh, the Colts, I think if they win, they're in um, next week because they'd be 10-7. and seven, um, And I don't think there's a scenario where... The Colts get knocked out if they win because the Chargers and Raiders are playing each other. Therefore, one of them will have eight losses and the Colts, if they win, will only have seven. So Colts are winning in, I think, next week. And then we'll see what happens between the Raiders and Chargers. Pittsburgh, I don't really know what's going on with them. They have an outside chance. They need a lot of help. Um, And then I think Miami's out after today. I actually... Pittsburgh could be out after today. I do not know. Um, but all I know is they're out of the... They are out of the AFC North after Cincinnati won. Um, I'll have to check and see what the, uh, what the situation's like for the Steelers. Um, I think that as of now... Let me go to the NFL.com. I think they're still alive uh, in the playoff picture... They'll play the Browns tomorrow night, uh, but I'm just going to check this out real quick so I can give you guys the most accurate accurate listing here. I think that the Steelers are still alive, but they're going to need a lot of help next week. Yeah, it looks like the Steelers are still alive. They are not eliminated as of now. So Ravens are still alive too, but they're going to need a lot of help. Dolphins... I don't know. They they might I don't know if this is updated or not, but we'll just we'll just focus on what we have. I mean, this has jumped this has jumped around so much in the past few weeks since I've been talking. So I guess if you want to take anything away from my from my predictions here, it is that one through five in the AFC will stay the same. And that I think Indianapolis wins and they're in, and then we'll see what happens with the Raiders and Chargers. All right, we're going to jump over and talk NFC in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about all we have coming up in the new year. All right, before we jump over to the NFC, I just do want to tell you about all that we're doing here at Homefield Pod. Um, first off, if you haven't listened to our TV show draft that he did a couple weeks back with the hosts of mainly Celtics, definitely go listen to that. That should be listed shortly under this episode on our feed. Uh, that was a great time talking to Embry and Matt about our favorite TV shows. Also, if you haven't followed us on Twitter at Home Field Pod um, or on Instagram at HomeFieldPod, please do. We have a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be launching this year, so that's the best way to stay in touch. And part of that includes season two of The Morning Advantage, which happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time live on IGTV via Instagram. However, if you miss that live because you're still sleeping or whatever, you're on your way to work or whatnot, uh, you can definitely watch that uh, on playback anytime throughout the rest of the day and on demand anywhere um, when you visit us at home field. Pod, all right. Moving over to the NFC. The NFC playoff picture is very top heavy. Um, as I said, they are the conference that is most equipped to succeed right now. Because you look at the quarterbacks in that conference, obviously you have Brady, Stafford, Rogers. Those are some of the veterans in the league. Um, you know, obviously. There's Matt Ryan in that conference, too, even though the Falcons are eliminated, you know, still Matt Ryan over there. You know, you look at the quarterback play in that conference, it tends to be a little older, Kirk Cousins, um, you know, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Brady, Rogers, all those guys, Dak, Kyler, sort of the young younger group. Um, but, you know, right now, they are by far the better conference, like, there are... Three teams there right now with 12 wins and two with 10 or more. We can't say that about the AFC. So the NFC is definitely by far right now the better conference. But it's also the less competitive, more top-heavy conference. Um, Like Green Bay, I think it's going to hold on to that. One seed, LA, I think they'll somehow find a way to hang on to that number two. Tampa as a three, Dallas as a four. I like all that right now. Um, I'll have to check on the score real quickly between Dallas and Arizona. I'm not sure what it is. I know what's going on right now and it should be the second half by now. It looks like Arizona's up big 22 to seven. So if Arizona, so if that score holds, uh, then you could have a situation where Arizona doesn't really move up because they'd only be 11 and five and the Rams are 12 and four. But at the same time, uh, it will be, Dallas holding on uh, to that four. So nothing's really changing despite what goes on in that game. So I like the one through five staying the way it is, uh, even though um, you know there's still some moving parts among th- the teams in that, in, in that rotation, um, because of the fact that that Dallas, Arizona game doesn't have uh, an immediate ramification. I sort of uh, see it finishing the same way. You know, especially when you look at the fact that, okay, the Rams and Cardinals have already played each other twice, right? You know, the Eagles, you know, they can't win their division. So they're just trying to hold on and uh, find a way uh, to uh, keep in in the playoffs, which, if I'm not mistaken, they may have done. Uh, I know they won today, um, but... Let's see, let's see here if I can find out. I think the Eagles are in. I'm not sure, but either way, even if it's not official right now, I still like the um chances of the Eagles being that six. um, so now it comes down to a question of, okay, so we've got the one through five secured, we've got a six and seven. I don't think Minnesota's gonna be in uh I think there's too much that needs to happen. Uh, for Minnesota to grab that seventh spot. Uh, you know, they have a tall task ahead of them going to Green Bay tomorrow night, or excuse me, tonight in just a few hours. So now it's a question of Philadelphia or San Francisco, who's the more dangerous team? Uh, I think it's still the San Francisco 49ers. Look, I love Jalen Hurts. I'm one of the first guys to pump his tires. Um, but I look at the experience in the playoffs of the San Francisco 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the field and producing and he's not hurt, um, his ability to minimize mistakes, um, manage a game, is very much like that of Alex Smith or Tony Romo or any of these other guys. Like They they might not ever win you a Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Niners are going to go win a Super Bowl. um, But compared to a team like the Eagles, which are young, have a young quarterback, younger coach, uh, inexperienced players, young receivers. Um, you know we're still. It's hard. It's hard to remember, but we're still less than two years removed from the Niners going to the Super Bowl and beating Aaron Rodgers and beating um, all these other teams throughout the regular season. Uh, and then you know being uh, in the same division that year as the reigning uh, camp conference champions at the time, the Rams. So now you look at the Niners and you say, okay, they've got that experience. You know, they're a couple plays away from beating Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So they're still a confusing team, but I think San Francisco's a little more dangerous because of that experience factor. And that's something that you can't quantify, right? It's hard to put on these stats. You know, the people try and do it. Um, but in the, in, the, in the NFL, experience in the postseason wins. Like, that is what wins. Um, it's situational awareness. No, it's no wonder that Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. And some of these other uh, coaches uh, who have succeeded in the playoffs before um, are the same ones that time and time again find themselves in the conference championship round. So because of that, I think I like the Niners with that experience over the Eagles if I had to rank those two teams. Um, but as it stands, as it stands, uh, you know this this NFC playoff picture. It's really not that surprising, Um, you know. I like I liked all of these teams. The only team that's sort of in the hunt that I thought, or sorry, that's not in the hunt that I thought would be would be the Seahawks, who have just had an abysmal year. But otherwise, it's not it's not too surprising of a playoff picture um, from what Cam and I talked about way back uh, after Labor Day. Uh, Another thing that's not surprising, and we're gonna end the show with this because I know. A lot of you guys, if you're listening, um, you know, this is a week where we're running back into our work routines. But one thing that's not surprising its somebody who won't be running into a work routine anytime soon is Antonio Brown. And I'm going to speak about this just to close the show in the context of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Okay, if you just rewind here, they had... A quarterback in 2019 in Jameis Winston, who threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, right? They replace him with the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. They immediately go out with all those weapons and win a Super Bowl. Those same weapons that Winston had. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. In that time frame, though, they pick up Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. These are two of Tom Brady's confidants. Tom Brady, for whatever reason, associates himself closely with Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski comes out of retirement, technically gets traded by the Patriots so that he can play with Brady in Tampa. Leonard Fournette finds his way to Tampa so he can play with Tom Brady. Le'Veon Bell just did that last week. People are coming... Out of the woodwork to go to South Florida and play with uh, and play with Tom Brady. So I'm looking around and I'm saying, okay, they've got everything going for them. They were able to convince Antonio Brown to stick around for two years. All right, they had him about what was it midway through last year? They brought him in. I believe he had a couple catches in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he got a touchdown in that game, but I believe he had a couple catches in last year's Super Bowl. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, and then even last week, he had 10 receptions. So now, according to reports, he refused to take the field when Bruce Arians, you know, put him back into the lineup in the second half. And uh, then he took off his shirt and his shoulder pads, jogged down the sideline, waved to the Jets crowd... And was never to be seen or heard from again until a couple hours later when supposedly a fan caught a Snapchat of Brown trying to get an Uber. And I'm thinking, hold on. How many chances has this asshole had? Pardon my language. I mean, we don't even have to go back to the Patriots when he got into legal trouble. You could go back just a few years before that. When he was taping a Mike Tomlin post game speech in the 2017 playoffs, when he seemingly never showed up for all those big games the Steelers had, whether it was physically, mentally, or emotionally, was not available. You know, he was not really around when they needed it most in that 2017 game when there was that controversial uh, call with um, Jesse James in the touchdown. When New England won there, and Antonio Brown was not around in the second half. All right, that year they ended up getting embarrassed at home by the Jaguars. All right, then he goes to Oakland, finds his way out of Oakland. All right, the Patriots bring him in for some reason because Brady wanted him in Brady's final year. He plays for one game, then he gets into legal trouble, they let him go. Then you think he's found a resurrection of his career. In Tampa with Brady, who is like the one guy left in the NFL that believes in him. And here they are today. The defending Super Bowl champions losing on the road to the Jets. The Jets. And Tom Brady's got to be thinking, how many more chances do I have to give this guy? He's like, look, I'm here. I'm trying. We already won our division. You know, we still sort of have a chance at the two seed or the one seed, although it's difficult. You know, they don't have a head-to-head game with Green Bay. They lost to the Rams, you know, but they they want to win. They want to set themselves up with winning football, right? There's winners on that team. They all won a Super Bowl. They returned all of their starters. You would think they'd all be winners. Tom Brady's look at the sidelines. He's Antonio Brown running shirtless into the tunnel. What the hell is going on? That guy has to be mentally deranged. You know, I really hope... I hope for everyone's safety, his included, that he's able to f- turn his life around. I don't care about his football career anymore because it's clear that that's over. The one, the one guy and the one team that would give you a shot, you blew it. You blew it. If there was anybody left in the NFL that was going to give that guy a shot, it was Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians said after the game, he's no longer a buck. All right, No one is going to give him another chance. And if a team does, like, let's say, just pick a team out of a hat. Like the Cowboys, God forbid, or the Bears, or a young quarterback they're trying to mentor. Let's just say, just pull out of a hat. Maybe somebody next year gives them a shot in training camp. They're out of their mind, okay? You know, this is, this is what drives me nuts about Antonio Brown, all right? And I'm going to get back to my original point about his overall health in a second. But what drives me nuts about Antonio Brown and, and really, I mean, not to really equate these two situations, but Josh Gordon too. I mean, Josh Gordon, I hope he turns his life around. Not that he's the same kind of nutcase that Antonio Brown is, but some of these guys who just keep getting chances over and over and over again. You know, no one, no one ever really calls for enough is enough until today. Today, finally, I think if people are saying, okay, enough enough with this guy. Maybe people will finally realize that There's just certain guys in this league that aren't worth the trouble. Uh, And I think Antonio Brown's obviously one of those guys. You know, it just drives me nuts that when Tim Tebow gets a training camp offer from the Jacksonville Jaguars and his former college coach, everyone loses their minds, okay? Antonio Brown fakes a vaccine card, which we didn't even talk about in the last five minutes. And people are like, oh, nothing to see here. This guy's fine. Okay. Let alone all the stupidness that happened in his previous NFL career. Like, I don't, I mean, personally, you know, compared to some of the other stuff that goes on the NFL, faking a vaccine card is nothing compared to like domestic violence or battery or whatever, or drug use or alcoholism or all the other crazy shit that happens in this league. You know, just look at Henry Ruggs, right? Henry Ruggs killed someone in a car because he was so drunk. All right. So a lot of bad stuff happens in this league. And, but as a human being, going back to that, as a human being, I hope Antonio Brown gets help. I really do. I hope Josh Gordon gets help with his addiction. You know, I hope that some of these guys who have all these, you know, problems, I hope Urban Meyer gets mental help. You know, we talk about mental health a lot in this country, and for good reason, and I hope those guys figure it out. Because something about, something about Antonio Brown, and you know, my friends pointed out, Perhaps he's just had one too many hits to the head. I mean, not to speculate here about someone else's health, but like, really? I mean, at the, what point? At what point? I mean, you look at it, you think about that, that hit he took six years ago from Vontez Perfect in the, uh, the uh, wildcard round of the playoffs. And you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> maybe that had something to do with it. Who, who the hell knows? It's just like, how many chances does this guy have to have? And what's even crazier is that that dude was on the cover of Madden. Three years ago. That dude was one of the faces of the league. All right. Before he got into real trouble with the Raiders and Pats. You know, and in the week in which John Madden passes away, one of the best football minds of all time. To think that that guy was once on the cover of that video game. Holy hell. What a crazy situation. And look, you know me if you listen to this and you know me personally. I'm not one up here to stand on a salt box with a blue check mark and lecture to everybody about how they should feel and what they should think. And I hate that. I hate that about our society. But I'm telling you what, if you're an NFL executive and you're even remotely entertaining the possibility of bringing this guy back to your team or to your team for the, in the first place, I don't know what to tell you. That would be the stupidest move ever. This guy is nothing but a locker room headache. And it's about time that someone pulled the plug. And I'm glad... Um, I'm glad that Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers are done with his shenanigans. And uh, if I'm Tom Brady and I'm a serial winner and I'm someone that wins at all costs, I understand why you would want to bring in someone like Antonio Brown at the beginning because of his immense talent. But if you're also that same serial winner, like I know he is, and like I know that that's the culture that he's helped create in that city and in that locker room, let that guy go. Let that guy go find his own way home. Those are the defending Super Bowl champions, and he made a farce out of them. They're lucky that Tom Brady orchestrated that comeback against the Jets, or else people would be casting some serious questions about if they would be able to respond as a team. But thankfully, they have a leader, and Tom Brady is a leader. Bruce Arians is a leader. He is a good guy. Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles are awesome coordinators. They have leadership in that organization. And that's why Antonio Brown lasted as long as he even did was because of the great leadership in that locker room, but enough's enough. All right, and I will end here. Just a quick anecdote on John Madden, because we brought him up. Uh, John Madden, you know, was clearly one of the most influential um, people who uh, were ever involved in the game of football. And look, it's really hard for me to eulogize somebody who I didn't really know, right? Like, this is a guy who was someone on a screen, right? You know, I didn't know him personally, so it's, it's really hard for all these people to just suddenly eulogize John Madden. You know, it's, it's difficult, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do, especially when someone dies so sudden. Um, but, you know, he's definitely someone with a huge impact on the game of football, someone who has uh, really influenced generations of people who love the sport, um, because of his video games, I think a, y- a lot of young NFL fans are able to understand the complexities of the sport. Uh, football is an extremely complex and uh, intricate game. Um, you know, gridiron football in general is just like that. Uh, and so, for Madden to help educate uh, kids uh, in that way through video games is really interesting angle to it. Obviously, his impact as a broadcaster and a coach is not something that. Was reflected in my lifetime as much but just seeing some of the highlights you can tell how much of an impact he had on the education of the game and i said the same thing about jerry remy a few months ago one of the best qualities of any sportscaster is their ability to transcend the television and to act like they're sitting in your living room explaining the game to you uh in a person-to-person way you know they don't talk down to you they explain it in ways that people can understand they're colorful they're funny um, they have that power of positive idiocy that I talked about with Jerry Remy. So I really enjoy guys like that. And, and John Madden was uh, certainly one of those guys. And uh, I wish his family all the best. Uh, another passing that happened in the NFL world was a uh, former Cowboys player and NFL head coach Dan Reeves uh, died at um, age 77. Uh, Dan Reeves was, I believe, involved in nine Super Bowls, um, which is just crazy. Um, you know, he had a huge impact on players and coaches. Like, you know, I heard, I heard words from Gary Kubiak, who's a Super Bowl winning head coach about the impact that Reeves had on his life. Uh, and I think that he's even in the Broncos Hall of Fame. Uh, he might have played. Uh, he might have played with the Broncos too. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe only the Cowboys. I know he was a coach with the Broncos for over a decade um, and also with the Falcons and Giants, um, but just, just unbelievable uh, impact on uh, on the sport that those two gentlemen had. And uh, again, I wish, I wish their families uh, all the best in this tough time. Um, that's gonna do it for this episode of Home Field Advantage. I thank you all for listening to this episode, uh, our first of the year. Uh, we have a huge year ahead of us. Lots of great stuff to look forward to. So I'm happy to have each and every one of you on board. Um, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod and like, sh- share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we'll be back tomorrow morning on Instagram TV with our first episode of Home... Excuse me, the Morning Advantage for the year, Homefield Advantage. We'll be back next week to recap um, all the stories from the week that was. Uh, we hope you'll give us a listen there. Um, on Instagram and here next week. Um, But until then, hope you have a great first week of your year. Um, But my name is Will Highland and this is Home Field Advantage. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And starting Monday, January 3rd, Keep an eye out on Instagram, at homefieldpod, for Season 2 of The Morning Advantage, with new episodes live on Instagram TV every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Homefield Advantage and The Morning Advantage are presented by Sportland USA, and the opinions shared on them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.